0: We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, Elmecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture.
1: What's going on, you beautiful people, on this amazing Super Bowl Sunday? It is a... A very warm and hot, I might even say, one degree in Chicagoland right now. Uh, (laughs) I hope hope y'all are staying cool. Uh, I like the new look, Ray. How you fellas doing, man? Let's start with you, Ray. I I like this new setup, brother. This is nice.
0: Appreciate you, man. Uh, I'm well. We had a a snowy day today. uh, But beyond that, you know, going out, shoveling snow and, you know, doing what we got to do out here on Long Island. Everything else as well, man. I'm I'm looking at you. I'm, I'm I'm looking at all the work you're putting in, all the work that y'all fellas are putting in, man. Proud of y'all. Keep up the good work.
1: And that's beautiful, man. Thank you for that, uh, Chris. You is this a new location, brother? I like this. I see the it's subtle in the back, brother. It's, what's going
2: can't on. Just, man? Talk can't, to can't, me. Man. Can't keep doing the same thing more than once, man. Because you know you gotta gotta mix it up. I'm a fugitive, <laughs> you know. I'm you. You're lucky. I'm using my government name. Um, But I appreciate uh, appreciate y'all. I'm glad to be back again for another week. I know it's a important week for others because they're watching the Super Bowl and everything. But we still, as usual, the eight million don't sleep, bro. Like the needs for the eight million goes on even when there's a football game that doesn't have the Vikings in it. You know,
1: (laughs) don't hold your breath, brother. Uh, And because it is the Super Bowl (laughs) and because it is a Super Bowl, we really really need everybody right now that's listening, please share it. And when you share it, put a comment in there uh, so we can get on people's feeds or whatnot. Uh, and Sharif is here. He just Sharifing right now. He having some issues with his mic, but he's here. Um, I'm doing okay, fellas. I've I've been nonstop busy. Um, uh, when, when quarantine and everything started, I was on a book tour and then I had gigs and stuff and Corona killed all of that. Uh, but the audio book is finally coming out. And so been I had to redo a few chapters. Uh, I did all of the talking and all that stuff. So it should be coming out soon. And oh, you know we'll have some gifts for some folks. Uh, we got our guy Sharif and hopefully he can hear it. Sharif. Nah, he oh, now he can't. Yep. No, he, he can't. <laughs> but uh, but today had to be special because number 100 was so, so, so big for us that mm. we, couldn't, we had to follow it up with another heavyweight. And it is my distinct pleasure and honor to bring in somebody who is a mentor to all of us, who has showed us all nothing but love, who still has more energy than than everybody here combined, even though he keeps swearing that he is going to retire. I just see him doing more and more work. Mm-hmm. Um, it is such such an honor to, to to welcome in Dr. Howard Fuller. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm good, man. It's really good to see you, man. It's good to see you too, brother. Uh, I, I know you want to say something else about the Packers. So go ahead.
3: Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> what is there to say? They're at home like us.
1: <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, man, they absolutely are. So, so Dr. Fuller, man, just one, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Oh, yes. I know it's super Bowl, and I know it's a lot. And, First off, the beard is glorious, brother. The whiteness of it. you love it. I love you it. In, I love it. Into your Moses moment right now. You know what I'm yes.
4: saying? <laughs> so, yes.
3: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that, man. Uh,
1: well, how are you doing, man, before we jump into this? Because this first topic is, is, is going to be a little a little heavy. So let's yeah. just go ahead and let's see how you're doing, man. What you been up to? How, how's retirement?
3: Uh, you know, man, it's, it's, it's all good. Um, I just turned 80. And so I'm trying to figure out. You know, what does that mean other than I'm mm-hmm. just perinated. But, uh, <laughs> you know, other than that, um, you know, I'm fortunate. You know, I have uh, my health, uh, my family has their health, and I got my first dose of the of the vaccine. So, oh, did you? Wow. You know, so I'm, I'm blessed, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. You know, like all of you all, I'm just concerned mm-hmm. about all of our brothers and sisters who are suffering so deeply. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the society right now, at so many different levels, and so that's the thing that worries me the most, and I know it worries you all as well. Yeah, man, it's um, that's that's eighty, dude. I was about to say
2: this. I, I need to really do like stop the show and just ask a couple of questions right. about jeans. Right, <laughs> I need to ask about jeans. I turn this into a so, beauty product show. Tell me about your family. Exactly. Yes, tell me about the family, because. <laughs> Because <laughs> we have people falling, you know. To we had a couple of shows on health and self care and whatnot, and you know, like heart disease and everything becoming oh. younger and younger, like forties and thirties, and you know, whatnot. And you, yeah. you make me mad, bro. When I look at you, you just make me uh, angry, just <laughs> hostile. You know,
3: <laughs> what's up with your genes? <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you know, I got to thank my mother, and you know, I, I guess my father, who I didn't really know, but whatever. So, mm. uh, I mean, I I feel like like a lot of you brothers, like, you know, I've been fortunate, uh, to be able to, you know, be at this point in my life. I never really thought a lot about it, you know, until I got 79 that I realized, Hey man, you got to start thinking about being 80. So, um, again, I think, you know, the goal is to get up every day and fight for as long as you can.
1: I mean, that's the only
3: way I look at it. Yeah, you putting
1: us all to shame, man. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, Ray, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to say before we jumped into this topic because, you know, this first topic is is pretty heavy. So I don't know if you had anything else to say. Uh,
0: yeah, I do, uh, actually. Yeah. So 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 last week was like your fanboy week or whatever with Keller Mike. And this week is like my fanboy week. So if I'm not saying anything, it's because I'm in ah, uh, because I'm with the OG today. <laughs> and so like, yo, honestly, like I'm just like, I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad that I got my notes out. I'm glad to just be able to soak up uh, a lot of what Dr. Full is going to be going to be saying. Like, this is mm-hmm. a living legend mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Well, man, well, I'm, I'm glad that we got him in his presence. And Sharif is still trying. Y'all, he he popping in and out, but we'll, we'll get him at some point. So, fellas, uh, there was a lot that happened. And we're going to talk about this one big one. So, Josh, how about you just roll the tape in full?
4: Three Rochester, New York police officers have been removed from patrol after video showed them pepper spraying a nine-year-old handcuffed girl. We want to warn you, the video is tough to watch. No,
3: you said that you were going to pepper
2: spray me. No, please, no, stop. Sit back. Oh, I got a bad oh, This
1: sprayer. Stop. Stop. I got her, I got
4: her. The incident began with a parent telling officers the girl had threatened to harm herself and others. At one point, an officer told the girl she was acting like a child. She replied, I am a child. Police say they pepper sprayed her after she refused to listen to commands and kicked an officer. As you can imagine, the incident has led to an outcry, including a march to a Rochester police precinct by protesters yesterday. One officer has been suspended and two others are now on leave. The girl was taken to the hospital and then released to her parents. You know, you said the video would be disturbing. I'm not even quite sure what I'm looking at there. I just know that you can hear the girl clearly in distress. And I, I know there are two sides of every story. We're always raised that way. But I can't imagine any
2: circumstance that a grown-ass man can't control a nine-year-old girl who who is not armed. I I don't understand what happened there. Pictures
0: are awful. I think there's also a third side
4: to it, which is police don't want to be in that situation. If you have mental health workers there, then the police can take a back seat. Yeah, that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about it a lot. Yeah, and you just don't, I mean, it's wired.
1: So, um, extremely hard to watch. Uh, we're gonna go through and get reactions, but we want to start with our esteemed guest just about what he saw and uh, and what we should be doing.
3: Yeah, so first of all, um, I actually talked to some uh, people in Rochester, and there's a brother that I think you all ought to reach out to named uh, Jerome Underwood, and he is the uh, president and CEO of uh, Action for a Better Community. And uh, I just think you all could learn, you know, it would be a good conversation to talk with that brother. And uh, so, you know, I, I got a little bit more detail about what actually happened, how it happened and so forth because of that conversation. But here's the thing, man. I just cannot visualize in America a nine-year-old white girl mm. being handcuffed and pepper sprayed. While she's calling for her daddy, I just—I mean, maybe it could happen. I mean, I can't—I can't say it can't happen, but it's hard for me to envision it. And—and—and and, and I think what it exemplifies, because people immediately go to, well, there should have been a health worker there instead of police. Let let let's say that that's true. Let's, let's all agree it would have been better to have health workers there than the police. Whatever. Let's all agree to that. But I believe that when you see something like that. It just once again, at least for me, makes clear the disrespect for our humanity, because you you don't handcuff a nine-year-old child and peppers for him. And any of us who've ever been involved with with young children, and, and and there is some discussion about whether or not this this young girl has some issues and this and that, all of these things can be understood. But in my opinion, what can't be understood is that the only way you can control a nine year old girl is to handcuff her and then pepper spray her.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I just I, th- there's no explanation that you can give me <laughs> that tells me that that's okay under no circumstances. And I just don't believe that this same kind of thing would happen in certain other communities in this country. So that's that's my take. But I, but I would suggest that you all, uh, you know, have a conversation with Brother Underwood and he can even give you more details about what actually happened.
1: Yeah, man, that's hard, man. Chris, how about we pick up with you? <laughs>
2: I mean, we've seen a couple of stories this week. There was also a a video of a school resource officer that was body slamming a young black student female to the ground so hard that you could hear her head pop on the ground. And then he kept trying to cuff her, even though she was out. She was out. Her body was stiff, stiff, like a light. Uh, um, I mean, stiff, just like she was she was like she was he was trying to pick her up and whatnot. and She wasn't moving. And he kept roughhousing her. We have this one, a nine year old girl, you know, pepper spraying her and putting her in the back of the car. We, But this isn't new. We have other stories like this. Right. We've seen this for a while. Goes back a few years ago, even with the 12 year old girl that was sitting in her desk. And the resource officer comes in the room, tries to yank her out her seat, throws her across the floor. And an educator of color, a black man educator at the head of the classroom is saying, you know, if you hadn't if you hadn't been messing up. You know, they wouldn't have done that to you. I don't think that it's a problem. It's not surprising when the police or the institutions or others look at our kids this way, but our own communities oftentimes, even sometimes our own parents, internalize racism to the point where we're offering our kids up for ill, ill, ill treatment. Uh, And I think that's a problem that's a real problem because if we were waking up every day kind of invigorated about defending our kids um they might have a better defense
1: that's wild, man uh we'll go to you ray and then so because we can sharif we're gonna come to you last so you can uh you can welcome in everybody and do all that good stuff uh, ray you just saw this you're a father to a young girl what are your thoughts
0: bro uh Actually I did a whole show on it uh, Did an emergency show On the Edge Pierce podcast Um, I had gotten uh, Dr. Paul Miller Who is a school leader in Albany That was raised in Rochester So he had like background context um, In terms of um, You know what's happening on the ground In Rochester Also um, had a couple more folks um, A uh, federal Parole officer uh, Who's one of my fraternity brothers Came to like Yield his views on the training or the lack of training that uh, was involved in the whole situation. So, um, my views and perspectives on on, on this particular topic are um, on that podcast. Uh, I just I just pray for uh, for those kids that are uh, that are dealing with mental health issues and, uh, and and folks that have like a lack of resources in terms of dealing with those things. But you know, like Doctor Fuller said, and like Chris also said, uh, I think that this goes beyond. A resource thing uh this goes beyond uh, this is it reminds me of people just like not having the type of love for kids the way that we love our kids and so whether it's the police uh whether it's teachers in the classroom uh you know whether it's administrators at schools uh we got to advocate hard for 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 hours so that folks are treating ours the way that they would want theirs to be treated
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Reef, we're about to go to you. Um, just my general reaction is, I listen, as a social worker, I had to deal with a lot of stuff in this space, um, especially with uh, males. I usually got caught out with uh, uh, pubescent males uh, that, that were on the spectrum or that happened to be violent or whatnot. And I would, as a social worker, I would go out and the cops would be there and they would let me go in first and do whatever, right? But even in this case, I mean, when you look at the tape, and again, maybe I need to, maybe I'm missing something. She's already in the car. Like, she's in the car. I I just feel like you're in the car, close the door. You can't open the door from the inside. There's something in there to protect them. I mean, I I think that they just got frustrated because she kind of showed them up. And I I don't know what I understand, like that sometimes people got to get called or I don't know if you need to be 5150 and a a nine year old. But okay, whatever. Right. Let's let's give you that. But she was in the car already. And I, I just felt like that part was just extremely excessive and nobody was in imminent like danger at that moment but that's just me it's heartbreaking and i'm angry about it but uh sharif welcome to the show hopefully you can hear us um and hopefully we can hear you so my fingers are crossed brother uh, <laughs> why don't you give your thoughts yeah. can you hear me the podcast can yes, we really
5: can, can brother. Me. All right, beautiful beautiful hey sorry man um tried to restart mm-hmm. it a few times dr fuller always good to see you sir good to see um, you buddy. sorry sorry i'm late but yeah that, that was uh, extremely disturbing man it's uh you know, yeah, we can say like, oh, maybe resource officers or some some other, uh, you know, support was there. But what we know wasn't there was this view of humanity. You know, uh, what they did was basically they tortured a nine year old. When you handcuff somebody and you put chemicals in their eyes, that's torture. That's that's the, that's that's exactly what it is. And so we should call it what it is that they they had the audacity to be that many adults, you mm-hmm. um, you know, with a nine year old, as you say, Doc, Dr. Cole, in the car already and handcuffed. So they're restrained, they're in the car, and you're talking about they kicked you? Like, and, and of course, anytime that something happens, they're always adding something to it, you know, just so they can say, oh, well, you did this. There is no, like, there's not a single thing that they could put on there that justifies, uh, you know, torturing a a torturing his child you know and so i I just think you know what what clearly lacks and we we talked about this before we we saw that there's they can they can do a whole lot of things when they view that person as a human being when they view that person as their equal right we saw it at the capitol we see it at other places that they have all the restraint in the world when they want Mm -hmm. Uh, but when it comes to uh black children black people brown people um anyone that they look at as as subhuman in their conscious and their unconscious and their policies and in their actions uh that that's what we uh witnessed and whether it's the the girl in florida that got body slammed in the swimsuit whether it's george floyd sandra bland would have had a birthday this week i think tamir harper just uh tamir harper sorry tamir uh rice you know uh it goes on i'm uh uh Diallo just had a, you know, an anniversary of of his uh, murder, 41 shots. Like it just goes on and on and on. What's different is if it's a child, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not like just a war on black adults. It is war on blackness
2: isn't it amazing what you can get away with if you wear a MAGA hat and a proud boys t-shirt
5: mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and horns and anything else.
2: Isn't mean, it amazing? Podium. You, you get organic. Like podium food. They stop on the way, you know, shot up a whole church. They, they stop on the way to Burger King, you mm-hmm. know, get you some food on the way to the, you know, good job. Church and job. people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now you got a dude in jail getting organic food. Um, and I don't know if y'all saw the police chief. He did a press conference on this.
1: hmm. No.
2: yeah okay. his main message was now you're getting to see what us as police officers have to deal with all the time. Look at the bad situation they put us in, Wow, right like like uh, um and is is on record of saying something like uh maybe if you controlled your own children, we wouldn't have to.
0: You know, you know what's, you know, you know what's sad about, about this whole situation. If you work in schools, if you work in schools, you see this kind of behavior all the time. And teachers are so trained on like de-escalating the situation with words, not even with actions, not even with like, not not even forcible restraint. Like if you have a relationship with a child, then you can. Uh, de-escalate a situation just by, like, being soothing and, yeah. and, and caring about that kid. And so, you know, in my opinion, in this instance, I think law enforcement can learn a lot from teachers uh, in terms of dealing with this particular situation and, and how to de-escalate uh, the emotions of nine-year-olds. Like, it's crazy. But then yeah. another aspect of it right. is the fact that, um, you know, it, we, as, as black folks, let's be honest, right? We, we're always, they always they always make us appear to be older than what we are, right? You know, you you, you hear the instance uh, in the police car when they're like, stop acting like a child. And she's like, I am a child. Like, she's nine years old. And so even if she's bigger than the average nine-year-old, she's still a nine-year-old. And it is- She it, was the rational adult, right? She she really was when you think about it. But like, it, the, the, the even crazier part for me is that there was a female officer that was on site and it didn't feel like it was any kind of empathy uh, uh, from, from her perspective. And that troubled me even more.
1: I mean, again, though, right? Like if, if this was the incident that I was in as a social worker, I'd have to, I got to go write my report and it's just the facts, right? Like I have to write in a report. We sprayed her once she was in the car. Like, this is the thing. I don't care what happened before that moment. She could have, you know what I'm saying? She could have been disruptive. She could have hurt somebody, hit somebody. She could have did whatever, but you're, she's in the car. You just close the door. Like, like at this point, it is almost like a retaliation that you would do to like a grown man that you are that showed you up and you trying to like make a point. Like, this is what I'm like. She is in a police car that you cannot get out of. What purpose is there to spray her? I just don't, I don't, I mean, we can go through this all day. I just wanted to ask you all, I know there's a bunch of different things, but all of y'all actually are girl dads, right? All of y'all have daughters. And I just was really curious because our show is called the A black hands. If we can't defend or have something to come back on some stuff like this happening, right? Like, so what, what, I mean, just one more round and then we got to get into the topic, but I mean, what should we be doing? What type of action is there? Because there was a time where, we protected our communities. We protected our people. Um, there should be folks like asking for that dude's head or, or all those people's heads like on sticks. So I don't want my anger to leave me and a and, and tail to wag the dog in my in my response. So we'll just do one more round and then I want to get into the topic. Sorry, I'm upset.
2: So, so I would ask Dr. Fuller, um, like you've been talking about this for a while. Like our kids are coming to school with uh, with a different set of challenges. And I don't know if I should say than ever before, but you have a school in Milwaukee where you are seeing kids where they are not coming from, you know, uh, silver spoon backgrounds and they're not coming from the opportune background. And we can wax poetic about it. But when you're there every day and you see it, a certain set of things show up and you have to have some strategies. So you've been talking about this for a while. I wonder how you have changed since, you know, you have spent this time over years now in the school that is now named after you. Thank you very much to everybody out there. (laughs) You got a school named after him.
1: Subtle flex. That's called a subtle flex.
2: Subtle flex. You know, you got a school named after you where young people uh, revere you, but these are young people who aren't made for brochures for like Kip magazine or something, right? These kids are from Milwaukee, have some, a new set of things going on. I'm just going to kick it to you. Is it new for, for, you know, are the challenges different now? And is it new?
3: You know, that's, that's a good question. Um, Kristen, let me, let let me, let me answer this way. Let me start by answering Charles's question. What can we do? Um, so I would say there's a couple of things. Number one, I do think you all ought to contact a brother like, uh, Jerome to say, are there some things that's going on in the local community that we might be able to support, you know, so that you can move it from just uh, you know, like a, a, a general conversation about how mad we are and to see, is there anything that they are doing that support from outside of Rochester would be of some value? Hmm. I, I, I think that that's one thing that we can do. I think another thing we can do is every time we get an opportunity to speak, wherever it is, we have a responsibility to speak on this, even if that ain't the topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have a responsibility to speak on it because it, it, it is, as, as you brothers have said, it's, it's, it's a manifestation of a larger issue. But any of us who have a platform, we have to use the platform in the interest of our people not necessarily in the interest of the people who invited us so that when you so that when you when you have an opportunity and you and people are listening to you, it's, it's always important to put our oppression first and foremost and to use whatever little platforms we have to advance that. Mm. The third thing, of course, is for each one of us who is doing anything you double down on what it is you're doing <laughs> that that is, that is that is in support of our community and our children, because we we can all talk, but the issue is what are we doing for people who are in our line of sight? What 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 actions are we taking to support our children and our community with whatever we have available to us? So to me, Chris, those those are uh, uh, uh Charles, three things we could do. On okay. well, the broader question that you raised, um, you know, and, and I forget who said it, but one of the things I struggle with, Chris, is what is different and what is the same about our oppression. Right? What I mean, because at a certain point, like I'm I'm doing a, a thing that I can explain to you all, um, you know, where I'm trying to share with uh people who Want to listen? There were forty-three people on on last Monday. My history of struggle for Black education in the Milwaukee, and and the reason why I'm doing that is because younger people always say, "The older generation, y'all don't ever tell us nothing." Blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> so what I'm trying to do is to actually model. Well, how can I tell you something about my own experience, and then figure out. You know if it's of any value to you, and I raise that because when you ask me what should we do, I come back and say, I really don't know because I'm trying to figure out what you all think we should be doing because maybe there's something about what I'm seeing that I'm seeing it through the wrong lens that I'm that that, that I'm seeing it through my historical conditions or my study of history. Whereas you all may be looking at it in terms of the current conditions that are impacting our our people, right? And and, and so the question I would throw back on you all is, what is it that you see different about the oppression of our people Mm. than what someone like me would see or even how you would see it based on your study of history? Because, because at the end of the day it's 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 all about how we define the moment that we live in mm-hmm. and 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 then how we approach struggle at that moment and and what are the lens that you're looking at to determine uh what should be done so let me stop with that. Oh, well,
4: man,
1: uh, I think you actually led a good segue because we can like, again, we could take up the whole piece, but that's what this A show is about, right? Like the work that you're doing in retirement. And one of the things that we, when we got on the phone to talk about this and you were just like, look, I'm obsessed with how are we working across generations? How am I passing off this knowledge? And, and and you know, how are we having like two-way conversations and communication? So, you know, why don't you give just a look? You, you talk you introduced it a little bit, Dr. Fuller, but why don't you let us know exactly what you're doing? And then I think... this conversation on how do we act, what is our responsibility across generations and how do we all work together better uh, to lead towards black liberation, whether it be through education or other forms. For us, it's education, but uh, Dr. Fuller.
3: Yeah, so what what I'm doing, Charles, is like um, I got all of these documents and stuff, man. I've got almost every speech that I've ever given Mm. because I usually write out all of my speeches but in addition to the the, the I, I like 28 uh, binders of um, uh, newspaper clippings, you know, the struggle for justice for Ernest Lacy, you know I, I got all of this stuff right? And so what I decided to do was to say, look, I'm willing to to talk with you all about the struggles that I've gone through. I can't speak for all other kinds of people, but I can speak for myself. And the objective is not for me to say, look, I did this and I did this. The the, 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 the idea is to say, look, here here we started out like with the coalition uh, to save North Division, which was my high school. And so we had an hour and a half session on Zoom. I sent documents out ahead of time because I I, I wanted people to have these documents to keep. I laid out sort of like the work of the coalition, uh, the Save North Division, sort of why we did what we did, what happened, and then open it up to questions, right? About like, well, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And what I told people is the purpose of this is not to debate with you whether or not we should have done something. Because I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't trying to hear you tell me y'all shouldn't have done that. I'm, I'm just trying to tell you this is what we did. Mm-hmm. This is what I think I learned. And then you got to decide whether or not anything that I just said will be of use to you, you know, into the future. That's sort of the, the model. But what is actually based on, Charles, and you know this from the work that you and I did together on writing that paper, is that I believe that this this work across generation Requires mutual respect. I mean, I you know I I really appreciate it when people talk about oh you know you're gonna bring your wisdom and blah blah blah. There's a lot of old people, man, with no wisdom necessarily that you <laughs> actually want to hear about. <laughs> so to so me, the, the 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 issue is the collective wisdom because you all have wisdom too. I mean, you know, you 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 have a view about the world based on the work you have been doing, and what I have to do is be open. To hearing what you have to say, because you do have something to say, and so I, I believe that that cross generational collaboration has to be based on mutual respect and the understanding that quote different generations can learn from each other. It's not a it's not a a one way street, right? Like oh, I'm sitting here imparting all this on you, and you ain't got nothing to say. I don't, I don't believe I don't believe in that. As you know, I believe in this mutual collaboration. But in this instance, what I'm trying to do is just pass on a lot of information in the hopes that some of that information will be of use to the people who are currently fighting.
1: Mm. Well, let's go
3: in reverse order. I mean, we'll actually just have a
1: conversation, but I'll start with you, Sharif, and fellas jump in accordingly. But uh, Sharif, like, so what... What can we do? You know what I'm saying? Like uh, you heard what the good doctor just said, like, give us your wisdom around what you think we should be doing uh, to lead to our liberation, man.
5: Yeah, I don't know if I have wisdom yet, you know, so I, w- I would, uh you know, challenge that a little bit. I, I do think we can share our experiences. I think it's in our culture to have this kind of intergenerational approach, right? Like there's a there's a philosophy out there that you have to have, you know, young tigers and old lions to get anything done, anything worth um getting done. It has to have be this intergenerational, uh, multi-lens, multi-faceted approach. And, and so I, I just appreciate that. I appreciate someone like Dr. Fuller, uh, you know, once, one, if we listen carefully, one of the things he said was even with this Rochester incident is like, one, connect with the people on the ground, right? Like, and, and don't lose sight of like, who's closest to that issue. And seeing what and coming in with the curiosity, like, what do you need from us? Well, how can we help you? What is more information that maybe that's not, um, you know, that's not uh, spread out there. Right. And so I think that's a big part of it, like being having the humility and curiosity to ensure that the voices that need to be heard are heard. The voices and experiences that need to be baked into the plan are in the plan. And so I I would say that's, uh, you know, like absolutely, you know, crucial uh, you know, aspect of it, because that's how we, you know, we talk about this a lot about just this organizing, you know, uh, component of it. And so I'm just really appreciative that, you know, it, when to it t- talk to people like Dr. Fuller, everybody like talking to people like Dr. Carr, right? Like they have so much wisdom. Um, and I, I just think, You know, and I I can't compare my wisdom, you know, or or the beginnings of my wisdom to that. And so, like, I really want to just grasp as much as possible and make sure that, you know, I'm taking that and building on it. Right. Like we these are the shoulders that we stand on and lean on. So, you know, I, I would say. Uh, what Dr. Fuller laid out as a as a blueprint. And he's sharing his blueprint that he understood it that connects with the overall black blueprint. So
1: that's what's up. Who wants to jump in next, man? I was going in reverse order, but uh, I wanted us to kind of have a free-flowing conversation. Chris, um, give us your wisdom, brother. What should we be doing? I'm laying this down.
2: Well, first of all, I just don't want to let Dr. Fuller off the hook of this thing of, oh, you know, I don't have the wisdom and y'all, <laughs> but
5: getting off that
1: easy. the reef tried to do
5: Old <laughs> you <know? say>, so <laughs> people don't have wisdom. So what about yeah. the rest of us? If, if, if there are elders any... without wisdom, then <laughs> the- Here,
2: here's why. And producer, keep us all on screen for right now. <laughs> I mean, this is why I'm not going to let doc get away with this because, um, The way that white supremacy works is it puts you in a groundhog day cycle where everything is new. And it's white supremacy is a self-cleaning oven. So there's like instant innocence for white and there's permanent punishment for black. So you'll never forget the things that black has done wrong and you will consistently instantly forget what white supremacy has done unless you have a griot or a griot or somebody Around to say, y'all know this has happened before, right? So when you have people and Sharif, you and I have talked about this, who are saying George Floyd was the moment I woke up. (laughs) I saw for the first time things I've never seen before. And you're like, really? For true? Mm -hmm. Really? Like that was the first time you ever. Wow. Really? Because I can name some names 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 30 years ago. And I'm not that old. And there's going to be people that can remember past what I can remember. Right. And the way that you do your young and white supremacy is you disconnect The natives from those ideas, those thoughts, those recollections, that history so that every situation is new for them. So one thing I would say in terms of what can we do concrete things, there's a role for everybody to play. I think we can build counter institutions. Um, Not everybody can build counter institutions. Not everybody can build a school, but some people can and we need to support them and we need to give them the support and the cover and the political, you know, uh, type of cover that they need. Not everybody can teach, but some can. And they should teach in those counter institutions. Not everybody can develop curriculum or pedagogical practice. What I'm talking about is regaining black intellectual, uh, black uh, educational capital. That that in in listening to Dr. Fuller over time, I formulated this idea that after 1954, we wiped away a lot of black educational capital and never recovered it. Right. It was like a great depression for us that we've never come out of. Now, none of this stuff is quick. You can't start a school quick. You're not going to, you know, create. You're not going to create pedagogy quickly. You're not going to do any of that stuff quickly. But it has to be done. And all the way down to the parent level and to the student level, there is something for all of us to participate in for our freedom. When Doctor Flores said before that education should prepare students for the practice of freedom, mm-hmm. these are like cultural totems that we need to, to latch on to and and make happen and realize that nothing happens fast. We're not going to, there's nothing that's going to come down the pipe that's going to get us out of this t- today, tomorrow, next week, next year, but we'll be better off a year from now if we have supported schools that work and teachers that work in those schools and pedagogical people who uh, give us the expertise. And then, you know, parents and students, it's got to be a full, a, a full court press.
0: Oh, that's dope! I'll jump in. Um, mm-hmm. So, first and foremost, I'll weave this in. I want to talk about Nehemiah's comment. He says, "Uh, that's why they don't want to t sixteen the night the sixteen nineteen project." Oh Lord! I don't think that they don't. I don't think that, that's the reason <laughs> why they don't want to the sixteen nineteen project. I think there's some factual inaccuracies with that project, but uh, we'll we'll say that for a different episode. Um, so my takeaways from Rochester, uh, let's start there. Um, I think that you know parents should not call nine one one. And in in terms of mental health cases, I think that there's got to be a better way to deal with it. If you have a kid in your house that struggles with mental health, then I feel like you need to reach out to to the school social workers, school psychologists to find better ways to deal with those issues, especially in emergency issues. Because emergency issues, like I said before, happen at schools all the time. So how are these schools dealing with it? Uh, and, and are they experiencing success if they are experiencing success, are they communicating the types of successes that they're having with people's with people's kids? Right, so that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing, in terms of like the collective wisdom, uh, Doctor Fuller, I'm so grateful uh, th- that you're here and you're talking about just like cross generational collaboration. I lo- like one of my favorite shows on my podcast is when I bring on David Hardy and and, and Tyrone Morwat, and and that's because like of the lived experiences mm-hmm. of, that, mm-hmm. that they bring to me every time I talk to them, and so it's not for me to lead the conversation, but they allow me in their space so that I can learn from them and learn from their lived experiences. And like, I'm just so grateful when, when I'm able to get them on once a season. Um, and then lastly, uh, you know, in terms of in terms of like this short memory that we have uh, with, with white supremacy, I mean, shit, something happens every day. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, how can you forget? Like, something is happening every day to make you think about, like, damn, is that really how they feel about us? And so, yes, that is really how they feel about us. And so, we need to approach that differently in the sense that we can't wake up like Groundhog's Day and, and, and relive that cycle. It's like we. We, we already know what's going to happen so if you know what's going to happen then you should be prepared to do the, the total opposite of what's going to happen on Groundhog's Day because you already know these people can't stand
1: you
5: mm.
1: Now, nah, I, 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 Ray you said you said a bunch there man I, I appreciate it one thing I would say is because even in my own district, a lot of those schools don't have so- school psychologists or they don't have people in those type of positions. Right. So when I was a social worker, I-, I worked in a bunch of different jurisdictions and I just built relationships with the police departments there. So if there was and I, again, because I was a, a male, we wouldn't give our, our our female social worker certain cases. So if we got like a 15 year old um, who's on the spectrum, but is like six foot three, you know, what I'm saying like 250. We wouldn't send them. And I had kids that would like move refrigerators, right? So, you know, we would do a lot of things to to not have to restrain. Um, but th- those police officers that we worked with, I knew those cats by name, you know what I'm saying? They were just there, right? Like they they knew to let me kind of do my thing. And I and I think that just as I'm listening to this, though, and what you said and what Dr. Fuller said and Chris and Reef, I think one man, I just want to start. We got to protect our people. I, and I say this in a sense of I've seen people stomped out over dice games before. Like I've seen people get in cars filled to the brim with six folks. Right. Like like thug dudes, like lapping up almost to go retaliate over a dice game or a basketball game or somebody stepping on shoes and getting into it at a club. I just need to know what that looks like when it's a little girl being attacked by police officers like, uh, like a gang of them. And, and I'm not I'm not necessarily advocating violence or whatever. I'm just putting out what I've seen and what I'm reacting to and just, I've seen it go down before, right? I think the other thing, man, for this generation, I don't know if I got wisdom either, but I would say we gotta have discernment about the way in which we go about certain issues. Which, which issues are the ones we wanna put our energy into? because i see a whole bunch of like uh like dictation police on twitter i see a whole bunch of people dictating <laughs> start using the wrong word you know what i'm saying like oh you that ain't the word like you know what i'm saying you said that way right like don't, and it's like they put a lot of energy into that right and they ain't got no <laughs> words for this and i and it just bothers me and i think the I'm, other so, I'm
2: is- so happy to hear you say that, Charles, <laughs> like, because, because we had this conversation like three years ago, bro. And I was like, I don't know how many years ago it was I was like black Twitter can get on a streak on any given day on something that is absolutely not germane to our people, not germane to our freedom. <laughs> and they will put their back into it. <laughs> They'll put their all into it. Every character, 250 characters, they'll do a thousand. (laughs) You may have had a person doing 8 million characters on Rachel Dolezal on a, on a day on a day when 8 million black children were being robbed of their future and their minds were being foreclosed upon by American school teachers. Mm -hmm. Right. But we had all the fire and heat and energy about, <laughs> about Rachel Dolezal and what Beyonce did this day, and and with azalea Banks, and you know blah blah blah. Whatever. This is what
1: I'm going to sound. And I mean, but here's the part that I'm reacting to, right? Because this happened, right? And then that Zendaya and uh and Washington movie came out, and I saw like eight thousand think pieces on like, well, that that's that's a toxic relationship. It's a movie. It's a, <laughs> a movie, <moment>. right. <laughs> like it's supposed to, you know what I'm saying? Like, who cares? Give it a thumbs down and move on with your life, but bring that same heat around this stuff, man. And I, and I would just say, um, the last part, man, is just know your role in place. So for me, if you come to talk to me, I'm talking from my experience and who I am. I'm talking from a place of yo homeless violence, addiction and all that stuff, I tend to have different type of, um, my whole thing is around nobody coming to save us. What can you do? If you need somebody to, to, to hold you at that moment and like be there emotionally for you, which is a very, like, it's cool to need that. I'm just not the person that need that you need to do that with. Right. Like I care more about the work and I'm not that good with people. You know what I'm saying? So you need to go to the appropriate people for that. And I think that that's the thing. I think that some people are trying to be everything to every situation. And right now, listen, I you can I can jump on Instagram right now and find you 30 people talking tough about a chain, about about somebody said this. Somebody called me that or whatever the case is, ready to shoot and kill people that look just like them. And then when one of our little girls gets pepper spray when she's already in a car. I don't see that. And, 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 it's, and it's a problem for me. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and again, I think I might be a little too emotional about this piece, man. I just we are on our own, man. And, and, and what else do you need to see when a, a, a nine year old child is is fucking pepper sprayed when she's already restrained? The restraint is over. It's done. It's already you. You're done. We're done here. Like close the fucking door. Sorry, I shouldn't be cussing with Doctor Fuller on like this. Let's
3: let's just. When did, when did that become an issue,
1: man? <laughs> 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 it became an issue
3: when you turned eighty and retired, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, gotta... <laughs> yeah, that, man? Uh, let me. But am I making <laughs> sense? Dr. Fuller? I just yeah. two or three things. Uh, yeah. Okay. Here's one of the things I think we all have to be cautious about. A lot of people will tell young people, go look at one night in Miami. Mm-hmm. and then get mad when the kids don't know who Sam Cook is. Mm-hmm. so, so what'm so so a part of what we got to understand is that when we start talking about intergenerational cooperation, we have to be a little bit more sensitive to people's life experience or how much they've actually been able to experience. And that a lot of things that our kids don't know, it's not their fault that they don't know it. It's our fault because we're not teaching the hmm.
1: truth.
3: Dr. Fuller, I'm a push, I'm a push, and I know it never happens. Let me
1: tell no you why I'm a push. I'm a push, you know why? why? I'm a push because of this. We just had something happen, right? We, the, the stock market just went crazy and you just saw a whole bunch of young people learn stocks real quick. Right. Like we learn the stuff that we want to learn. We got more information and knowledge here than anybody you love, anybody you respected, anybody you grew up with, right? All that collective energy, I got it at my fingertips. So if you want to know who Sam Cook is, take ten seconds and it'll come. And a whole bunch of stuff will come up, including playlists. I'm just saying, right? Like,
3: yeah, I, I hear you saying. So let me let me push back. Yes, sir. That that's all interesting. Yeah, we all got the phone. But what I'm trying to say, Charles, is because a young person has a phone. It doesn't mean they're going to use it to find out who the hell Sam Cook is.
1: So if they're <laughs> interested, they will. I'm the youngest yeah. one on the panel.
3: He may not so, be relevant yeah. enough
0: for, them, 30, for their situation. 30, 30 into the Sam, Sam Cook is absolutely uh, relevant. I watched Night in Miami, and I, I pulled the whole essentials down. and, <laughs> right. and, and I'm You're 44 years old. I'm, I'm, Dr. Puller's talking about a 15-year-old. I'm a 43 year old. and... Nine point nine 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 tenths, and, and
1: you know what? Right. And, 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 and I want you to finish your point too, Fuller. But here, here, here's the thing: because I had to have a bunch of talks about night in Miami, and you know who brought those talks to me? My young people, my kids that go to Emory High, my kids but, that go to schools all through Oakland. But, but, but Some but of my you, kids in Indy. I'm just saying they teenagers.
3: But to a certain extent, Charles, you're making my point. Mm. The point I'm trying to make is that you cannot get mad at them because they don't know who these people are. If they come, even if you tell them, go look on the phone, looking on the phone is not going to give them the explanation Mm -hmm. that you really need to give them. Because looking on the phone ain't going to tell you the essence of the conversation that was happening in one night in Miami that is going to take someone with a political perspective to explain what that conversation was all about mm-hmm. after you tell them who it is. Mm-hmm. Cause I was shocked not, and, and I shouldn't have been, and I, and I got mad at myself because a young person asked me who was Jim Brown. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, who was Jim Brown? And then it occurred to me, <laughs> you, you know, they don't know who Jim Brown is. So instead of being mad, Right. My job is to take the time to explain it to them. That's that's the only point I'm trying to make on this. I'm not saying that they don't have things that are available to them. But even this, Charles, you you all made the point yourself. Right. They may go on here and see some stuff of, that you don't even want them to see that you're well, going yeah, to happens too. <laughs> rip, that happens you have too. to walk through to explain how all of that stuff you just saw on there is bogus. So that's right. a, well, let me make a second point. And make your second point, but I
1: just want to be clear because you're gonna you're gonna send the wolves at me. I did not say I was mad at young people. I said I'm mad at you're all. You're <laughs> I just want to, I'm mad at everybody.
3: <laughs> so it's ahead. all good to be mad, but we have to step back at a certain point in in our moments of madness to try to explain something to our people. Right? That's mm-hmm. always still what we have to do, even when we're mad.
2: Because yeah. and on this it, we should just put the, put it on record. What you're saying right here, right now, is a point that I think is is we should just put it on record. We are not doing a good enough job of of working with our, ed, uh, our young people to understand what matters before us. Right. We can't expect the school to do everything. Right. School's not going to teach you who Jim Brown is. Right. That's going to come in in a different format or whatnot. So, so, Dr. Phil, I'm just like hammering down on your point, because I think it's true. We could be better teachers. Right. Of what matters in our culture, and not just critics of our <laughs> culture and and of our young people's culture, because like the the mumble rap gets on my nerves. But <laughs> maybe I, I have not done a good job of teaching them about Public Enemy, right? But go ahead, go ahead. You brother. ain't done a good <laughs> enough job to <laughs>
1: learn <laughs> with mumble rap, brother. Get up, get your game up. Now, now point two, Doctor Fuller.
3: Go ahead, brother. Go go ahead. Yes, there. okay. <laughs> point two. It, what? It. it, it And this this was brought to me one time when I was the cops had done something and I was trying to talk about black people, you know, because a little girl had been shot by a black person. Right. Mm. And so one of the things I think we have to always do is try to keep in mind at a moment in time, what is the primary level of oppression? And, and, and what we have to keep coming back to is yes, we're killing each other. And we can get into, you know, France Fanon and the colonized mind and all of that, right? But the issue is what is the difference when you're being killed by the state? And I understand you can say, mm-hmm. if, you know, a, a death is a death is a death. Mm-hmm. But, but within the political realm, a death at the hands of the state is a totally different discussion that you have to have. And you can have both discussions, you you know, at the same time. But but again, getting people to understand that distinction between self-destruction and being destroyed by the state. Mm. And and, 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 and what are the implications of that? The the, the third point I want to make, Charles, in all of this, man, is that if you read... If you read Black Rage, or or whatever it is, I don't know if Charles Blow's new book. I'm getting ready to read it. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's the latter day Black Rage. I'm not mm-hmm, sure, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But 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 one of the things that they said in Black Rage is, if you are a relatively conscious Black person, you don't even have to be totally woke. You can just be getting up. You know, you can just be. Kind of half woke. <laughs> got a crust it, in your eyes still? You just, you wh- know, whatever eyes it is. <laughs> you should be in a constant state of rage. Mm-hmm. Right? But the issue is for people like us and other people who are out here trying to figure out what do we do with people? Uh, how do we help people? You have to figure out how to negotiate that rage to the point that you can be uh, productive in trying to move the struggle of our people forward, right? Mm. And, and so Charles, when you say you mad and all that, that's that's all good. You've been mad ever since I met you. <laughs> and, and, and it's all good. I mean, I, I love that, right? But the reality of it is because of the role that you are playing and are gonna to continue to play, you gotta take that anger, that frustration, and that rage and turn it into something that can move the struggle of our people forward. And that is not a simple thing to do. Mm.
2: Mm. I, I and
1: think Charles, you, just you I throw
2: your like I will say you have Charles with the work that you do in terms of you put together product and material to train and work with young people. And as you're doing it, you put your intelligence into that and you have a way of connecting with them around it. So I would say to some extent, you're doing this already right now, but. As you were talking, Dr. Fuller, I was getting chills just in thinking about a problem that Sharif and I talk about once a week, which is we're turning our kids over every day to people who are taking professional development on cultural relevant pedagogy. And to me, that that's like calling Chinese food. Chinese food in China. It should just be pedagogy. But the fact that you have to call it culturally relevant pedagogy tells you that there is a problem. And and here's the problem. in, in, In as I was listening to you that I heard, which is you're saying we should be better teachers of the Jim Browns of the world and the cultural context that we think our young people are missing and to provide them with things that they don't know. But we're handing them over to teachers every day that sure as hell don't know where what what role Jim Brown played. Don't know anything about. You mentioned Fanon. I could have a ten minute discussion with you, and in that ten minutes, there's eighty things that our teachers don't know that you <laughs> that you would just drop out <laughs> of your soul. It just oozes out of you, right? Um, and they will they'll read Freire, but they don't know that Freire got what he got from the leader of Tanzania right they don't they're just so so part of what we're doing not only are we not the best teachers but we're also handing them over to an institution who has a real shallow knowledge of their of what they should know the context that they should know and i don't know how what the fix is for that but yes we are failing them in the cultural context in many ways we play a role as parents and leaders and people have a platform like this and then schools play play a role in that too
3: I, yeah, the part of I Part know. of what you're saying. One last thing, Charles. See, mm-hmm. the, so the other thing that we have to be cognizant of when we're dealing with our young people, if you tell them about Jim Brown, the image that our young people might have right now is Jim Brown sitting up there with Trump. Mm. So, so, <laughs> so no, seriously, because yeah, it's true, yep. Jim Brown, they know is this fool was sitting up there with Trump. And so we're, We're the ones that are going to have to go back and and show them that other picture with Jim Brown and Walter Beach and and organize that meeting with with Kareem uh, to to stand in support of Muhammad Ali uh, because he refused to go to Vietnam. You know what I'm saying? So 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 not only do we sometimes have to, like, explain who a person is, we also sometimes have to go back and say that what you just saw of them right there. They weren't always that way, you know, because because for a lot of young people, that is their image of Jim Brown, the ones who they even know it sitting up there listening to Trump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, so the task that we have, man, is enormous, man.
1: It's, man, it's, it's, it's enormous. wow man. I know Ray was jumping in, man. I know. Yeah, we're getting, I'm, I'm just, just, just. Go ahead,
0: brother. Just going going back to just the culturally relevant piece that Chris was talking about in terms of teachers. It's like that's a that's a huge ask, man. Like if we're looking statistically at the makeup of teaching, you have eighty percent of teachers that are white, and we're asking white teachers to approach. Uh, pedagogy in a manner that Is culturally relevant they've never Done that and so we're asking them to do Something that they've never done I think you know in, in Reef's work Reef's work uh, kind of paints a, a, a real clear picture here of like uh, Increasing the amount Of black males increasing the amount of Black folks that are in classrooms But even with that we got black people That aren't culturally relevant in terms Of how they approach the work so I mean Like it's it's it's, it's difficult like right Now in terms of like what we're asking Mm-hmm. I mean, the yeah, work is I, I, overwhelming, as, I,
5: I, as Dr. Fuller said, you know, like, uh, you know, and I, I think such a big part of it is, you know, I think too often we're waiting to the to the end. That that one, Dr. Fuller talked about, you know, what we would used to call political education, making sure that wherever we are, that mm-hmm. political education, if you're an imam and you have nothing about Uh, the political atmosphere or a pastor or whatever, you don't have that political language as you're conversing with, with, uh, with people, you're missing the, the, missing the mark, right? Because any scripture that I've seen has a revolutionary element to it. And if it's just like all about hope and not action, then, you know, then you're leading folks astray. You're leading the flock down the wrong path. And, then, and so I think, you know, a, a part of it is if we look at political education and the way that Marcus Garvey looked at it and Malcolm X looked at it, where Marcus is talking about like, hey, if you don't have a connection to that past, if you don't have that Sankofa moment, you're a tree without roots and we know what happens to trees without roots right Mm -hmm. and Malcolm we talked about this a few shows ago about you know where he was exhorting this idea like the biggest problem that we've had around our movement is that people trying to organize sleep people and not just you know as Dr. Mm -hmm. like you know if they're not there yet and even if they're a little bit you're adding their political education so you can help them connect the dots understand the today's context making the connections uh, between them because if not he's like once they are awakened that's when you get that action that's when that rage ties into uh you know the action at at hand but so many you know uh ray ray tovin i just noticed that ray tovin brings up this (laughs) idea uh, professional development so many of these educators i'm talking about 80 you're talking about black folks too where they go to teacher colleges and they learn about all the white you're uh, you know white or eurocentric behavior theorists Mm -hmm. education theorists and then they come and teach them black children that's why you see across the country they say we're not prepared to teach diverse classrooms, we're not prepared to teach black and brown, they're saying they're not ready Mm -hmm. so it's not just who's leading the classroom it's who led the teachers before they got to the classroom, what is their intellectual genealogy
0: Man, so no we got a, a good way to combat that though, Reef, is uh is is to make sure that everybody that's running that school building is culturally competent. Because Look,
5: you, know, I, you see a lot of play, and you know this because you train principals <laughs> that it's a lot of it's a lot of teachers that are more culturally responsive yeah, than the yeah. people leading the classroom, the people leading the school board, the people leading the district. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well
1: we gotta our, we gotta get into our final thoughts and, and all that good stuff, man. I, I just and we can go long if we want. I just Hey, why he are you talk- Super Bowl rushing us? Hey man, I just I, listen, I I, I want to make sure that the good Dr. Fuller gets to do whatever he needs to tonight. And any moment he gets to not see uh Green Bay in the Super Bowl is a good night for me. So I was just gonna say, uh, but here's what I was gonna say. My comment though wasn't necessarily towards about young people. I'm talking, I'm I'm talking about 50 year olds. I'm talking about I'm talking about how we protect our communities. That's one. But two, you know, and I'll make a basketball reference because Fuller played ball too. Like you learn the basics from your organized ball plan, but you learn the sauce from the streets. I, I I don't have faith in these systems, right? So like, I actually don't depend. And it, and and I love the work that both Ray and Reef and I do, and, and and what Chris has done in schools and what Fuller's done in schools. But if we waiting for it to happen in schools, it's, it's, it ain't gonna never happen, right? I'm talking about us taking taking responsibility for our people. You know what yep. I'm saying? So here's one. And I'm gonna do this in, in in the spirit of Sharif. I'm gonna be Sharif today. Here's a good book for young people to start with uh, from one of the America's OGs. We're reading this in my black man's book club, Defining Moments in Black History. Uh, and Dick Gregory does a really, really good job of just going through a myriad of black important touch points. He doesn't go super deep into it, but it's, it's enough there that should spark interest in young people. It's easy to read and it's funny, um, but it's up to you all. We can go into final thoughts. Well, we can keep kind of going. Dr. Fuller, it's your call, brother. Yeah, Dr. Fuller was about to say something, too. So don't lose that. Go oh, ahead. Oh, you know,
3: the only thing I was going to say was that all of us on this, uh, you know, in this call, in this meeting, know that there's the formal education that takes place mm-hmm. within the these institutional structures. Right. What we've lost a lot of, Chris, I think, is the informal education that we used to do. With our children. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the reality of it is, and you all notice at a certain point in time, one of the most revolutionary places for kids to learn was Bible school. There, 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 there were, in fact, a lot of them actually learned how to read. In Bible school. <laughs> and, 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 and then, you know, Sharif, you know this back in the day, like when we would open up freedom schools after school. Like, so, so what I think we have to do is to go back and see, are there some models from the past? Because we, we, we I, I read this book, New Power. Right. And what it, it, it was a very, like, intriguing book. But one of the things he said was or they said it was two of them. That yes, you gotta exercise new power, but new power doesn't mean you throw away everything that was in old power, right? The issue is to go back and see is there anything back in quote old power that was useful, that 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 could be used, even though we're gonna have a different approach, a different way of doing it, different thinking and this and that. But there are some some things that we used to do mm-hmm. that would be valuable to do once again. With a new approach to it, or, or, or you know what I mean, like making some variations in it to meet today's world.
2: Well, Doctor Fuller, I'd ask you a question about that cuz you you I think I've heard you talk about Putnam's work before uh you turned me on to the book that the what was it like the we that we never were or the america that we never were something oh, like the, that the way we never were the way we never were so this is my thing about um was was
3: Putnam that was a woman that wrote that
2: book yeah but the putnam stuff is is about the like oh, coming going
3: alone and all yeah,
2: of that yeah going alone yeah. so so my point for bringing it up sometimes you can't go back to some things that you've lost and i'm wondering what you do to recreate it so you mentioned church Sunday school churches are struggling with church membership right. church, there's people that don't want to be called Christians anymore they want to be called spiritual and and even you know different than that I'm not making a judgment on it. I'm just making a, an observation of a trend over a long period of time there there are churches that just can't get five people in them anymore there are PTAs that can't get the people in anymore there's ways we used to organize that can't get the people anymore there were a hundred and Sharif and I did a show on a hundred and something independent African centered schools that were going to be an independent black school movement or whatnot. Now, when people get a little bit of money, something like that seems completely foreign. doesn't seem like something they want to organize around. Uh, We we've had a million conversations about how the black dollar makes one trip around our community and goes out in the broader community, but the Asian dollar makes seven trips. And, you know, we have, have these conversations, the collectivism is missing. The collective, consciousness seems to be missing and i just wonder what you think about that as a as a root issue and you can't get back to that if that goes if that's if that's dead it's dead we're just individual people now
3: because this is this is how i would try to think about it and i'm struggling with this just like all of us are some of the things that i'm mentioning were were sort of old school or work back in the day they were a reaction to some stuff that occurred before them. In other words, like, what, what I'm trying to get at is we have to do an analysis of, 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 of what it is that is happening to us today. And all I was trying to suggest is some of the organizational forms and methods that had been used previously, some of those may work with a, with a renovation, or you know with, with a with a, a a different approach but some of the, the the rationale for it or even some of the methods might work but they need to be married with new things so 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 for example there, there are people out there right now who are creating some organizations that 10 years from now they're going to be larger organizations than they are today they they're, they're, they're going to be the entities that we may have to fight 10 years from now, right? But right now, there are these emerging entities. And and, and what I'm trying to argue, Chris, is that those emerging entities are always out there. What you have to do if you're trying to approach revolutionary change for our people is to understand what elements of those emerging entities, what elements of that, can we benefit from by using some of the things that have been done in the past? But you'd have to do it in a slightly different way because you now have different instruments and different tools that you can use that didn't exist back at that point. And so those of us who go advanced struggle are the ones who can figure out how to use whatever exists today. Think about what existed in the past, but how do we create the things that we need to advance our struggle today. That's what I'm trying to get at. And I think that that is not a simple thing to do, but those of us who are on this and other people like us, that's how we have to be thinking, you know, at this moment in history.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, see, that was... See y'all wisdom. See, see y'all. You
3: know, that wisdom <laughs>
2: that you said you don't have, right? That's, that's right. That wisdom. That's
1: right. I mean, that's why you don't, have, why you <laughs> so don't let them off the hook. <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna to start to rev into just final thoughts. I just... I just wanted to make sure I I said this before we did that um, join, consider joining our Patreon because the patrons have a new book club uh, book that they're starting and their next meeting. Um, And you can go to our our fan page and get the dates, but they are reading Dr. Fuller's book, uh, no struggle, no progress. And Dr. Fuller expect an email because they're definitely going to ask you to join that at some point. But as we are, and listen, I, I, and I just, I hear you around like at what we how we look at our elders and how we also look at the younger generation. You should have an older mentor and you should have younger mentors. I mean, you know, Dr. Fuller, you know this. We did your show because my healthcare version of you, Bert Lubin, when his cancer came back and I told you about it. And he was like, you have to do that show with that brother that you always talking about in your education work. Right. Like he told me that before he died. Remember, we were doing our shows I think he passed away in the second or third. I had a lot of losses in the last two years, man. Um, But, and, and the only reason I'm an author is because Elaine Brown, who I was spending time with, was just like, you need to write a damn book. Like, you just need to do it. Like, I'm not... We're not asking if if you can, you just need to do it. So I think there's, we have to listen to our elders in that piece. So I hear you in that. I just, I just, you know, I pushed you there. So I wanted to make sure I came back. Uh, fellas, let's just, uh, let's whip into our final thoughts on this piece. And, and and Ray, I know you don't like when I start with you, brother, but all good, all I, good. I felt like you had a, a pretty strong answer, man. I just wanted you to lead us off uh, just in final thoughts. And then we'll lead the last final thought to Dr. Fuller.
0: Yeah. So uh my final thoughts tonight are uh are, are pretty simple. Uh first and foremost, a change is gonna come. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. we had to do this. Look same. who was oh, yes, on Google, you look who was
5: on Google Playlist. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
5: Right. So,
0: <laughs> <and> so <laughs> there, there should there shouldn't be a a a uh a young person uh in America who plays lacrosse that doesn't know who the great Jim Brown is. Jim Brown is arguably the best lacrosse player of all time.
1: You talking and about lacrosse?
0: So, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. I mean I
1: know not even play lacrosse. I'm just saying I just
0: didn't <laughs> arguably I, the best Dr. Fuller Dr. Fuller I mean, is he, the elder he's, he's arguably the second here. best Paul Paul after too. Paul Robeson, but go ahead. I, I get your point. Go ahead. Arguably the best <laughs> lacrosse <laughs> player of all time. And then <laughs> lastly, uh, the, the, the conversation between Sam Cooke and, and Malcolm X, even though it seemed contentious at times, it reminded me of just like how we show up for each other as the eight black hands. Like we have some contentious ass conversations, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we know that we admire one another for the work that we do. And I think that it challenges us to put our best foot forward in order to be who we need to be for the people that we need to be there for. So I appreciate y'all pushing me and I appreciate y'all for allowing me to be Sam Cook in this space.
3: Is <laughs> <laughs> this a giant stuff? Sam
5: Cooke? <laughs> the... no, all right, go ahead. You, you
1: smooth, bro. Sharif, go ahead. That was, that was the smoothest humble bag. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
5: It might be part of the libations part. I didn't finish <laughs> watching the movie. I got to, I got to finish watching it, but I just remember he was looking for some libations up with that joy. But listen, I, I, you know, one, just thanks, Dr. Fuller. You know, every time you uh, you speak, it's, it's a class. And, and I, I just appreciate it as, as someone who just um, not only appreciates history, but appreciates uh, hearing from, you know, from our elders, um, you know, you know, we're, we're grateful that you were, you were here. And every time you've, you know, we've asked you to, to come teach, come share, come impart wisdom. You've always, you know, been there and then some. And so I, I deeply appreciate that. I, I love what you talked about with the, you know, tying into the black blueprint and taking the culture and context of that time and seeing if it can be, how it can be overlaid to the, the context and the content of this time mm-hmm. and, and making it as connected. It's like the, the Panthers and the Cubs, right? Like, you know, uh, Baba Zayed, who was in the Panther, the New York chapter, he would talk about Cubs to the front. Like he's always saying like, hey, we have the wisdom Cubs to the front, next generation, move to the front. We got your back, we got your side, but there's sometimes for you to lead. And a lot of what Dr. Fuller reminded me of, um, you know, those conversations, right? And in the freedom schools movement, like Dr. Fuller talked about, there's a, a strong tradition, not only the intergenerational, but this idea of train your replacements, And I think that's part of what Dr. Fuller has always been doing, you know, even during his fake retirement. And that's what he's telling us to do is like train your replacements. Mm. What are you doing? How do you make sure that they are ready? And we don't know what the battle is going to look like, how it's going to pivot, whatever. But we do know that there will be a battle. And so what are the foundational pieces that, uh, you know, that they should have? And so I'm just really appreciative, looking forward to uh, having some of the, uh, you know, the students From the Doctor Fuller, uh, Doctor Howard Fuller Charter School, uh, participating in Freedom Schools this summer. So we'll be in touch because uh, you know we've we've had folks from across the the country, and we definitely want to get some some brothers and sisters from Milwaukee, um, part of this youth liberatory movement. So excited! And again, thanks again for being being here with us today.
1: Definitely, that's beautiful, man. Um, As we go to Chris, I will say, and Doctor Fuller can probably attest to this. We did. 10 episode arc uh, for Dr. Fuller. Um, and I would say our best episode was when we gave it to the young people. Uh, his young people and my young people. And I think that they did better than both of us, if, we, if we're being honest, man. So uh, I think they're going to kill your freedom. I don't school. know. I That's think episode great.
0: one was pretty dope.
1: <laughs> episode one was very good. They were all very good. It's just the one with the young people was was is simply amazing. Uh, Chris, uh, the floor is yours, good brother.
2: Um, thank you, Dr. Fuller, for coming tonight. I appreciate it. Every time I see you, this is what this is what I remember it, each time that I engage with you is that not everybody can do strategy well. Like people can do history or they can do commentary or opinion. But what we are missing, I think most what we forget the most are the strategies that people have used to free themselves in the past. We can read stories But that doesn't mean we're going to become good tacticians and strategy people. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is what I love about you is I don't know if you're always knowing that you're doing it, but you're actually telling us more than the story. You're all you're imparting the strategy in the thing. And that's what I think we're, we're so missing when we talk so much and when we write and when we think about the, the next big problem that happened or started or whatnot. We're rarely thinking about the strategy for getting out of it. My only contribution to thinking about strategy, because I say it all the time. Fellas on the show hate it. I'm not an educator. educator. (laughs) I'm not not a teacher. I don't run a school. I don't do any of that stuff. I'm a parent who has been thinking for a long time the way that my dad thought, which was uh, know yourself, know your history. Think about your history. Think about the strategies. But you don't have to be the smartest person in the world. This is something my uncle told me. Boy, you don't have to be the smartest person in the world. Just don't be dumb. Right. And 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 that was like some pretty profound advice I found a few times in my life that that has been useful. Right. (laughs) Um, um, But this is my only contribution to thinking about strategy is thinking about what we have lost are um, we lost. Black educational capital. We had teachers and principals and schools, and they had developed pedagogical practices and knowledge that was wiped away. And we think of those as jobs. Oh, we just lost some Black teacher jobs. We just lost some Black principal jobs. We lost more than that. And it never like really recovered. So the way home to me in some ways is you can't do it all in a day, but you could build little pieces of that back again. Sharif is putting together a pipeline of black educators. Right. Um, um, You know, Ray runs a school. Right. Uh, um, we have, Naomi Shelton is leading a, a group of people that have mom and pop charter schools or whatnot. These aren't trivial positions. These are things that actually, in my mind, as a strategy, help us start walking home again, back to a time where we had educational capital. So um, so that's really all I got for hope in a nutshell, because <laughs> I think Groundhog Day is going to keep coming every year. We're going to see a, the same set of educational results and every year we're going to say oh my god there's a gap and every year we're going to say oh my god we got to teach people how to be uh culturally relevant but we're never going to get to the part where we talk about owning the means of production that develops the intellect of the young black people in this country and that is the strategy to me that's everything
1: man well i appreciate that man i think that uh I think you bring a lot of wisdom. I do think you are an educator. Uh, You educate us all the time. I, you know, we're going to let Dr. Fuller take us out. I think my final thoughts is just, um, again, I, 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 I'm just not a patient man. I I think that um, we've seen more than enough that we need to see uh, to know that nothing is coming to like save us or help us. And, and I, and I, I will always continue to fight to make systems better, man. But I really, I I, I, if I if you ask me to choose over the system of people or our people, I'm choosing our people. And I know all y'all agree with that. But what the reason why I'm saying it just for the people listening is we have to be responsible for us and our folks and things like that. Like, I'm not I'm not good at the emotional stuff. I'm not good at holding the relationships. I'm not good at like reaching out or whatever. But Dr. Fuller checked in on me. You know, Ray checks in on me. You know, people. there are people in my life that check in on me, right? But what I am good at is I'm about to write this other book, right? And get this information out and give out these funds and, you know, use the power that I got in these spaces, man. And I just feel like, while we were doing this show, I got two notifications on my ring app about two more shootings in my neighborhood. It is one degree outside on Super Bowl Sunday. Like mm. we got heat for everybody else. We got heat for people that look like us all day, like people that I love. When I hug them, I feel a vest and I feel they strap. You know what I'm saying? Like and what I'm saying is, what is all that shit worth if we can't protect a nine year old girl from being abused by police when they already got the situation under control and 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 i don't i know my final thought is not comprehensive and it's not making a lot of sense uh it makes
0: perfect sense
1: so i just want to make sure i say for mama toya her book club starts march 7th at 7 p.m eastern you have to be a i think you have to be a patron to, to be a part of that if you need details reach out to us um I'm leaving this conversation unsettled, but so grateful uh, for you, Dr. Fuller and what you mean on my life and just how you've always, I can just call Dr. Fuller. I don't, I probably shouldn't say that out loud, but like, <laughs> cause everybody, I want everybody to start calling you, but like, and we'll just <laughs> talk. Like, it don't, it don't have to be about nothing big. We might talk about basketball. He might talk about, you know, him being in Africa with guns over his head because he got a crazy ass life. You should read his book. Um, but we, I, I just appreciate how you've shown up for me. And with that, it's only right that you end our show today with your final thought, brother. Yeah, well,
3: uh, three things really quickly. First of all, I want everybody to understand how important it is that I can call you or that I can call Chris or I can call Sharif. I mean, I, I mean, this is very, very important to me that, that people understand this is not a one way street. You know that that I get so much you know, love and help and support from so many people that I don't, I I, I just got to say that because that's, that's that's so extremely important uh, to me. And, and 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 Charles is one of those people that I feel like I can call and, and test ideas. And well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? Chris, the same way I believe the thing about Sharif, I don't talk to Ray as much, but I, I believe I could call either one of you brothers to say, look, what, what do you all think about this? Help me think about that. That's very important. The second thing I wanna say real quickly is, Chris, sometimes we ought to have a discussion about what happens when you engage in struggle and the struggle leads to a change in the condition that you had previously experienced and this new change has unintended consequences. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: So for example, when you struggle to get civil rights Mm -hmm. so that black people didn't wake up and say, the only professions that are available to me are teaching and preaching. Because at at one point in time, our community had access to our best minds mm. because we were limited in terms of what we could do in America. Right. And so, in you know, in Marxist terms, it's the difference between uh, a national bourgeoisie and a comprador bourgeoisie. Mm. And, and and, and what that means. And, and that's a, a, a conversation worth discussing, because as you advance and struggle, you always got to understand what what are going to be the unintended consequences of advancement and who is going to advance and who ain't, you know, you know, in, you know, in that struggle. And and I, I just think that that's a worthwhile discussion. But I think that the, 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 the thing I wanna leave with you all is this, because I've heard this so many times. We have to make very clear to people, because Obama used to use this a lot, King talked about it, they all got it from somebody else. And that is that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. That's really a nice, catchy thing, but it's bogus because, <laughs> because the arc of the moral universe for us always, always, almost bends towards injustice,
4: mm-hmm.
3: injustice, whatever the term is. And the only way that it bends towards justice is when we grab it and we bend it.
5: Bring your hammer.
3: <laughs> so mm. that's what I want to And that's And that nine year old girl is just another example of the moral universe that we live with every day in our black lives.
2: Mm. And that, I, that is so deep and dope because I wonder how long must that arc be <laughs> if we still haven't gotten to the justice part. Uh, wow. Wow.
1: Josh, wow. Cut that one. That, <laughs> cut cut <laughs> that. Uh, people, y'all have been listening uh, just an amazing, amazing show y'all have been listening to the 8 Black Hands uh, we love you all, be safe and we'll see you
0: next week, peace, peace. you have been listening to the 8 Black Hands podcast with Ancrum Cole, Elmecky and Stewart if you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter our handle is at 8 Black Hands one thank you for listening